Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories. But do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a suggestion from our mysterious listener, Scott. Scott writes, Murder Comes at Midnight from Inner Sanctum is one of my favorites. A great one to listen to and enjoy. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I can start one as I'm leaving work and finish it by the time I park at the house. Yes, Dallas, Texas traffic is bad, but your podcasts make the drive easy to handle. Keep up the terrific work. Inner Sanctum was created by Hyman Brown, a notable figure in the history of American broadcasting. Brown's career in radio spanned eight decades and a diverse range of genres, but he is best remembered for Inner Sanctum. The program ran on NBC from January 1941 to October 1952 and featured one of Horror Radio's most memorable hosts, Raymond Edward Johnson. Raymond introduced each story with a litany of horrific jokes and puns. In 1945, Raymond left the series replaced by Broadway actor Paul McGrath, known as Mr. Host. Although NBC aired more than 500 episodes of Inner Sanctum, less than half of them are known to exist today. Many episodes, including the one you're about to hear, were rebroadcast on the Armed Forces Radio Service as part of Mystery Playhouse. The program was introduced by Peter Lorre, who welcomed listeners with his signature greeting, Hello, creeps. Eventually, Mr. Lorre left the program and was replaced by an uncredited host who, needless to say, lacked Lorre's ghoulish charm. Inner Sanctum's original introductions, postscripts, and commercials were often removed to make room for new introductions specific to Mystery Playhouse. Fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, Murder Comes at Midnight retains most of Mr. Host's diabolically unfunny puns. Murder Comes at Midnight also features Mercedes McCambridge, one of the unsung voices of horror radio. From the mid-30s through the late 40s, horror's heyday on the radio, McCambridge contributed many iconic performances to programs such as Lights Out, I Love a Mystery, and of course, Inner Sanctum. Decades later, McCambridge was also a frequent guest star on Hyman Brown's classic radio revival series, CBS Radio Mystery Theater. And now, let's listen to Murder Comes at Midnight from Inner Sanctum, originally broadcast September 9th, 1946. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Good evening, creep. Tonight, your mystery playhouse presents... Inner Sanctum. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host inviting you in through the squeaking door. Ah, I just left a friend of mine. He runs an all-night billiard academy near the cemetery. As after midnight, he uncovers the ghoul tables. But no rough stuff in his place. Now, he settles all arguments by arbitration. Simply lifts a shroud and points out they haven't a leg to stand on. Believes the old motto that a fiend in need is a fiend indeed. Dust off the edge of your chair, because that's where you'll be sitting for the rest of this half hour, and listen to Murder Comes at Midnight. This is the story of how one average family, even as yours and mine, spent a quiet night at their rented country house. A night of terror. As I said, the Cannings were just an average family. Harry was 29 and worked as a sound engineer for a broadcasting studio in the city. Ethel was 27 and had been a school teacher before she was married. Now she was kept pretty busy between writing the great American novel and taking care of Judy, her seven-year-old daughter. 
This was the first year they had rented a house in the country for the summer. And Ethel didn't take much to the idea of being alone evening. But first, I didn't know what it was that woke me. Perhaps it was because I was expecting Harry. He phoned that he was working overtime. He wouldn't be home till after midnight. I didn't like the idea of his driving 60 miles from this city at that hour. Or maybe it was just because I wasn't used to being alone with Judy in the old house. I got out of bed. I opened the connecting door to Judy's room. She was sleeping. Quietly. I closed the door softly. Went across to my window. Something had awakened me. What? Was it a sound I heard in my sleep? Or... Or was it a premonition? I looked out the window. The night was dark with a thousand secrets. Harry should have been home by this time. My watch showed a few minutes after 12. Maybe he'd had an accident. Maybe that's why I awakened. Some sort of telepathy. And then I saw the headlight. It was Harry. He was turning in our road. The headlight phased me for a moment as he swung into our driveway. Everything was all right then. I'll be right down, Harry. Breathlessly, I raced downstairs to let him in. I was so happy I could cry. It was only then I realized what tension I'd been under, all because of my silly fears. I unlocked the door quickly. Oh, Harry, I was so worried. Sorry to bother you so late, miss. Had an accident with my car. Oh, I... I thought you were my husband. Oh, sorry to disappoint you. Oh, no, no, I'm afraid you can't come in. My husband isn't home yet. Well, it won't be for long. Oh, oh my heavens, you're hurt. It's your arm. Oh, uh, hurt it in the accident. Afraid it's broken. Oh, your poor man. Here, sit down. Yeah. Sit down right here. Oh, that's better. Here. Your arm's so limp. Do you really think it's broken? I can't tell. It's kind of numb. Oh, dear, I feel so helpless. I don't know what to do. I... I took a first aid course during the war, but I don't remember a thing. Now, maybe I better call Dr. Schultz. Oh, please, don't go to the trouble. What's no trouble? The phone's right here. I said no doctor. But it's all Put right. Put down I... that phone, please. I don't understand. Maybe you understand this. A gun. Put the phone down. Who are you? I'll ask the questions from now on. Your name's Canning, isn't it? How did you know? Name's on the door, isn't it? Oh. What kind of phone is that? What do you mean? Party line? No, it's a private wire. Uh, can you dial or do you have to ask the operator for the number? No, you just dial. Good. Uh, push the phone over here to this side of the table. Who were you going to call? The phone, please. You'd better get out of here before my husband comes home. <laughs> oh. How do you think he'd make out in an argument with this? Oh. The phone. Thank you. Now step back a little. That's good. Good. I have to put this gun down while I make my call. It's arm of mine. But you understand that I can pick it up faster than you could reach it from there, don't you? Yes, I understand. I see we'll get along, all right. Oh, operator, get me Plaza 99970. Yeah, I'm hurt, please. Oh, this is uh, 864. Please. After your phone call, you get out. Before my husband comes home. He's late already. <laughs> you wouldn't turn an injured man out of your house in the middle of the night. Oh, hello. Linda? <laughs> That's right. I had a little trouble. I hurt my arm. Look, I think you'd better come up here. Yeah, and bring Fred and Doc Stetson along. No, no, no. Everything's fine. Won't be any trouble. I'm a guest of some very good friends up here. Canning's the name. Well, you drive up Highway 26 through a court and turn right when you pass the first gas station. Uh-huh. It's just a mile from there. You ought to be here by 6 in the morning. There'll be a light in the downstairs window. Right, Linda. See you in the morning. You 
can't stay here all night. You've got Shut to Shut up. Um. What's that over there? Radio? Yes. Pretty big. It's the sending and receiving set. Harry built it himself. He's a radio engineer. Hmm. Can you get shortwave? Police calls? Yes. Turn it on. But I don't... Turn it on. No. Well, getting brave, huh? I don't think you'd dare to shoot me. It would be murder. They'd send you to the chair. Now you get out of here. You call your friends and tell them to beat you someplace else. Now there, I've opened the door. Now get out. <laughs> Worried about your husband, aren't you? Afraid of what'll happen to him if he comes home now, huh? I want you to go away. And if you don't go now, I'll run out and scream for help. There are other houses in this neighborhood and somebody will hear me. Oh, go ahead and run. What? I won't shoot you. You won't? I don't have to. What do you mean? You wouldn't dare to run out and uh, leave your kid upstairs. That little red-headed kid with a cute curl... Judy. How do you know I have a daughter? Easy. A doll carriage over there. How do you know she has red curls? Maybe I guessed it. And her name, too? Turn on that radio. All right. How many rooms in this house? Six. Fine, fine. My friends and I will stay here for a few days. We'll make a fine hideout. What will you do when my husband comes home? Don't worry about him. Now, suppose we go in the kitchen, then you can make me something to eat. Wait. Huh? Why did you choose this house to come to? This house of all others. Can't you guess? Yes, I think so. How did you know Judy's name? And about the color of her hair? Ah, you're getting warm. My husband, Harry. Harry told you. Ah, you know you're pretty smart. Oh, please, don't you have any pity at all? Tell me what you did to Harry. He's not hurt much. I just tapped him on the head. He picked me up on the road, gave me a lift. I pumped him. Found out all about this house and about you and Judy. Then I knocked him out and kept going. It was pretty tough driving with one hand, but I made it. Where's Harry now? In the back of the car. He can't get loose. I'm going out to... Stay where you are. But Harry's hurt. I can't leave him out there alone. About this little red-headed kid of yours, uh... Where did she sleep? Upstairs? You wouldn't... You wouldn't hurt her. Better stay here if you want to make sure. Oh, no. That's better. <laughs> Now, suppose we have something to eat. Now let's return to the little white shingled house on the hill where Ethel Canning is entertaining her uninvited guest, Arnie Bishop. You know, he's a pretty courageous guy for an ex-convict. But then maybe he has the courage of his convictions. <laughs> but Arnie isn't so smart, you know, tangling with a red-headed gal. He ought to recall that old ditty. How's it go? Beware of a girl with deep red hair. A man is safer in the electric chair. But who can tell how a tale will end out in a sanctum? Let's join them in the kitchen. Mmm. Well, excellent bacon and eggs. I'm sure my friends will like cooking when they come. More coffee? Yes, please. Careful. Oh. 
I was only reaching for the coffee cup. <laughs> I thought you might have ideas about grabbing this. There's your coffee. Hmm. What time is it? Twenty after two. Uh-huh. Three and a half hours to go before my friends get here. How will they get through the roadblock? Oh, you'll leave it to there. Oh. What's that? That's the telephone. It's in the living room. You better get to it. Oh, you don't let go of that gun. Oh. You shouldn't have tried that. What are you going to do? Answer that telephone first. Get going. Anybody in the habit of calling you at this hour? No. All right, answer it. But be careful what you say. Hello? Yes, this is Mrs. Canning. Oh. This is for you. Oh. All right. Lay the receiver down on the table and walk away. All right, far enough. Don't try anything. Hello? Linda? Wait, wait, did you get started yet? Oh, where are you? What? Roadblock. Well, you, you've got to get through. I need Doc Stetson. You, you've got to make it, Linda. I can't stay awake forever. That... All right, all right. Do your best. Call me back later. Oh. What's the matter, Mr. Bishop? Are your friends falling down on you? Shut up, I've got to think. Oh, you don't have anything to worry about, Mr. Bishop? Aren't you a guest of the Cannings in the little white-shingled house a mile off Highway 26 north of Accord? Oh, you can be sarcastic, too. Oh, I wouldn't dare be sarcastic to you, Mr. Bishop. Especially when you have that gun. And with my husband unconscious in the car, and you threatening to harm my child, oh, no. No, you still hold all the cards, Mr. Bishop, and you're such a big, strong, brave man. What are you trying to do? Get me mad enough to kill you? Aren't you going to kill me anyway? What makes you think that? Because you're a killer by instinct, Mr. Bishop. It's easier for you to kill than to do anything else. I wonder why you didn't murder my husband instead of just knocking him out. Was it because you thought you might need him? Well, you're not afraid of me anymore. No, I'm not. No, I just realized. I can't afford to be afraid. What? I'm a woman fighting for her family, for Harry and Judy. And I've got to use all my wits against you. I can't afford to be afraid. You've got some scheme in that crazy little brain of yours. Yes, Mr. Bishop, I have. I think I've found a chink in your armor. You're a coward. Me? Yes, you. You're the one who's afraid now. Your friends aren't coming. You have a wound in your arm that needs treatment, and you know you can't trust me. You don't dare close your eyes even for five minutes. And you may have to stay here for several days. How do you like the prospect of staying awake night and day, watching me every minute of the time, afraid that you might drop off to sleep at any minute? Oh, that's how you figure it, huh? Maybe you better kill us all right now, Mr. Bishop. That would be easy, wouldn't it? Just three bullets. Then you wouldn't have to worry about watching anyone. That's an excellent idea, Mrs. Canning. Yes. But then you'd have other things to worry about. Such as? This is Saturday morning. The milkman will come to collect for the week's milk. The neighbors will stop by to ask if I want my marketing done. And what will you do? Skulk in the cellar while they ring the doorbell? Yeah. And then there's the police. What about the police? They'll surely search this part of the country. They'll be making inquiries at all the houses. Do you want them to find the car outside? With Harry in it? <laughs> oh. You figured all the angles, huh? You know, you're pretty smart, Mrs. Canning. I think you're even smarter than Linda. But you forget one thing. Yes? You forget that little girl upstairs. What do you mean? Come along and I'll show you. Upstairs. You stay away from Judy. Oh! Maybe you think you've got everything figured out, but I'm still the boss. Gun muscle hurts, doesn't it? (laughs) Now, shall we go upstairs? That's better. <laughs> so you think Arnie Bishop is licked, huh? Mm-hmm. Which is Judy's room? What are you going to do to her? Which is Judy's room? Or are you going to make me open all the doors to find her? It's that one. Uh-huh. All right, let's go in. 
Now, you first, Mrs. Kenny. I warn you, if you hurt you... You first, Mrs. Kenny. Childhood's the best time of life. It's almost a pity to grow up out of it. You couldn't. You couldn't hurt her. Oh, I assure you, Mrs. Canning, I won't lay a hand on her. Oh, oh no. Not on a beautiful child like that. No. But, um, I've got to protect myself. Let's see. That's the connecting door to your room, isn't it? Yes. There's a key in the door. Lock it, please. Give me the key. Thank you. Now we'll go out the way we came in. I'll take the key out of this door, too. Thanks. You first. Now we'll lock this door on the outside. There you are. Everything's set. You just want to make sure she doesn't get out? Yeah, something like that. Huh? Now, will you pull the mattress and sheets off your bed and bring them out here, please? Are you going to sleep in front of her door? Do as I say. All right. I'll help you. I don't understand. Why do you want to sleep out here? Uh, no, I'm... Uh, everything just the way I want it. The mattress against Judy's door. But you can't sleep on it that way. You have up against the door. I didn't say I was going to sleep on it. Oh, what are you going now, to Mrs. do? Canning, we'll see if you can figure out how to beat this angle. <laughs> what would happen if I were to put a match to this mattress and Betty? Oh, no! This whole floor would be in flames in five minutes. With both doors locked. <laughs> Judy wouldn't have much of a chance. Oh, no! <laughs> Still think Ronnie Bishop is licked, Mrs. Canning? <laughs> You're right about one thing, Mrs. Canning. I am in the corner. With this bum arm, I've got no chance of running if the police come. So if they do, and if I'm cornered, I'll set a match to this mattress and fight them off till the whole house is just a bunch of rubble with Judy in it. <laughs> you, uh... Understand me thoroughly, Mrs. Canning. Yes. Uh, so it's up to you to see that the police don't come. You're going to lie for me, Mrs. Canning, and you're going to cheat for me, and you're going to kill for me if necessary, because I always have a match ready. Now, do you still feel like trying any tricks? I do. Whatever you say. More like it. Now, the first thing you're to do, go downstairs and run that car into the garage. Get it out of the way. But don't touch your husband. Don't even look in the back of the car. I'll be watching, understand? Yes. Ah, glad we understand each other at last. Let's go. Standing right here in the driveway, so don't try any tricks. I won't. Remember, I'm watching. Harry? Harry, dear, can you hear me? Harry? Harry? Oh, he's still unconscious. There's blood on his head. Yes, I'm coming! You did take a look at him, didn't you? No, no. All right. No. All right, come inside. <sighs> Beautiful night, isn't it? It'll be morning soon. What time is it? Almost six. The milkman should be here soon. Oh? Well, here's where you start lying for me. After you, madam. I'm going to sit right here in this chair with my hand in my pocket. And in my hand's the gun. Understand? Yes. There, there, that's the milkman. You'll tell him I'm your cousin just visiting here for a few days. He'll wonder why you're up so early. Let him wonder. 
Come on, answer it. Good morning, Miss Canning. I'm the new milkman on the route. Hope I didn't wake you up. Come in, please. Uh, that's two bottles of milk you wanted this morning and a bottle of cream. Yes. Yes, you can put them on the table. All right. Oh, this is my cousin. He's visiting us for a few days. Oh, how are you? Hello. Do you have my bill? Yeah, I got it right here in my pocket. Here. Hey, is that... That's right, Bishop, with the gun. Sit still and take your hand out of your pocket very carefully. Okay, okay, you win. But how come a milkman with a gun? I, uh... <laughs> I borrowed this coat from the regular milkman. I'm Sergeant Wright, State Police. What? Kevin. State Police? Uh, how did you know I was here? Mrs. Canning told us. She? Well, how? I, I didn't let her out of my sight. She broadcasted to us. Broadcast? Yes. Over this set, Mr. Bishop. Yeah. Remember the speech I made you? You didn't know what had come over me. I was really talking to the state police over the short wave. Don't you remember I told you that this was a sending and receiving set that my husband built it? And when I turned off the short wave signals, I turned the switch to sending. And then I hoped, I just hoped my message would get through. Ah. I didn't think you were smart enough. And I thought I had you scared stiff. You uh, looked like the kind who would scare easy. Oh, I am, Mr. Bishop, I am. But I warned you. This was a time when I couldn't afford to be scared. Which? Which all goes to prove that a determined man can always get what he goes after. You remember Bishop tried to get free board and lodging from Ethel Canning. He finally got it all right, but not exactly where he wanted it. You know, as a matter of fact, Bishop was the type of man who should never have gone in for murder. No, too many risks. He should have specialized in arson. That's always a surefire undertaking. That was your host, Raymond Edward Johnson, closing the door on Inner Sanctum, tonight's performance in the Mystery Playhouse. It's late, Creed, so good night. Sleep tight. That was Murder Comes at Midnight from Inner Sanctum here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was a listener request for the Morals crew uh, from Scott. And thank you, Scott, so much for your kind words and for being a listener and for your suggestion. That's awesome. So I think the only way to start this is an analysis of... Of the puns. Because there's four shows that are always going on with Inner Sanctum. And, and, and show one is, what do we think of the puns? I thought for Inner Sanctum, this was a weak, weak show for puns. He's done much better ones that make me want to go punch the dog in the face. <laughs> or just scream and go, no, no, no. Uh, the ghoul table instead of a pool table. And then... You guys can tell me what you think of what I just said, but could you please answer this for me first? Lift the shroud and left without a leg to stand on. Don't quite understand what's going on. I didn't catch the reference. I think it's funnier if you don't understand it. <laughs> 
Do you understand it? A shroud would be over the dead person. Uh, yes. They're buried, so they lift the shroud to look at the dead person's legs, but they don't have a leg to stand on, which is a play on the expression, you don't have a leg to stand on. Because legal they're, case. They're in ghoulish arbitration is the setup for the joke. I was trying to make a pool table pun reference. Oh, yeah, he pivoted away from the uh, billiard. Okay, so... yeah, he doesn't have time to just hang out in these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a show to tell and some jokes. Because uh, this was Raymond, not Mr. Host, right? Uh, this was Mr. Host. Yeah. I think they are wrong at the end. Uh, uh, they, really? They credit Raymond, but from everything I know and all the episode lists I looked at, this was originally aired in 1946, and he is already gone by then. Plus, Paul McGrath is more over the top than Raymond, in my opinion. And this is definitely his style of delivery. Gotcha. He's the one who does all the... Yeah, the little <laughs> yeah. coos. Evil coos. <laughs> <laughs> the really long way to go to make a pun about... It's not a pool table, it's a ghoul table. The setup is incessantly long. So I know a guy... <laughs> owns a pool, owns a pool hall. See, no, but and he doesn't blah, 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 say blah, blah. pool hall. No. This is my favorite part of it. It's not a joke, but he calls it an all-night billiard academy. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a hot new series of young adult novels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all-night billiards academy. <laughs> that was actually my I'm favorite on board part. For that. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see that show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my daughter will be watching that. I liked his final pun about not having the courage of his convictions. See, that was the one I thought was the weakest, because it had to stay like, convict, and he has convictions. I don't know why I'm even investing You wanted any a effort. subtle pun at the I end. I wanted to call him a felon at first, oh. so there was a little more of a jump to the other, oh, because he has a conviction. Yeah. Uh, Let's send it to a vote on the puns. <laughs> Not the best inner sanctum for puns, and no. I give it... A not a classic on the puns. <laughs> I would have to agree with you. Um, now let's move on to something my, that matters. Actually, my stronger opinion is not on the inner sanctum level. It's the uh, mystery playhouse level. That closing of it's late. Good night, creeps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I need a little closure on this. <laughs> yeah. Get out. Well, it's it's Get not out. Peter Laurie, so they probably just hired some guy off the street to save money. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't find any information online about who this other yeah. host was, and he's just like. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> I uh, was listening to this earlier, and I just love it so much that I couldn't get it out of my head. And for 15,000 times today, every time my wife walked by, I said, hello, creeps. <laughs> she finally went, what are you doing? Are you doing podcast stuff? Oh, my God. Shut up. So I, That is a perfect impression of your wife. That is, <laughs> that's her voice. That's why we got married. We sound exactly alike. <laughs> We are up for voiceover work. It's great, though, because whoever gets it, we get the money. We get to the actual content of the... Yeah, I think we need to, because this is a very different type of writing for what I'm used to. For I kept thinking this sounds like a suspense episode. Me too. Yes, exactly what I was going to say. It is like an episode of suspense. It's also like an episode of Criminal Minds or like a modern police procedural in the sense of it's not monsters or supernatural. It's just normal everyday crime that gets thwarted i'm not to downplay the horrificness of a break-in and being held hostage yeah. but there's something yeah, very straightforward doesn't about it have the wild plot twists no it doesn't have anything bizarre to it and and makes it a really unique inner sanctum in that sense I agree. It's successfully very intense, but not in the way Inner Sanctum usually is. No. Inner Sanctum usually achieves that level of intensity with violence and gore, like the one we listened to a couple weeks back, where it's just over and over again saying, her face is shot off. Like, they just hit you over the head with things in, right. in a fun way because they hit you over the head with so many things. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> right. But this one is pure Suspense. Yeah, it's pure and simple, and, and I think stays it's really on, well done. Yeah, it yeah. stays on point. I think this stands on its own without Mercedes McCambridge. You, if you're an Inner Sanctum fan, you might be disappointed, but from a straightforward suspense type script, it's really great. Made even better mm -hmm. by Mercedes McCambridge, yeah. and I'm reminded again, and I am every time. She is so. Good. She's unbelievably good. And I know she got typecast and did a lot of mousy characters. I think this is a fun script because it subverts that. She's playing the frightened, mousy woman who's being yeah. terrorized, and she turns the tables. 
part and you can do both. by playing a mousy it, sort of she, yeah. yeah. I think she is mousy and terrified. I think, though, that she, what I love about this is that this woman finds the courage to overcome her mousy, we keep using that word, but those fears and her cowardness of sorts because her daughter and her family well, is on the line. I don't think she's line. ever in the entire script cowardly. She's afraid. No, and I think, I'm saying so. before this, before this incident, I think she kind of describes herself. Oh yeah, she as, says she she had right. this strange premonition, and it's the only inner sanctumy moment in this mm-hmm. where you think it's maybe some supernatural thing because she no. describes herself awake at night and she's just afraid and she can't tell why. And she also uh, makes reference to herself before this that I'm not normally like this. Yeah, that yeah. I would be a person that would not think I would have the ability to do this, but mm-hmm. I had to do it because it wasn't about me. Which I really found her strength to do what she did and to think on her feet and to confront him, to think out that plan. I love the character journey of that yeah. and when she says it several times i could not afford to be afraid mm-hmm. yeah and that's the thematic idea that this thing hinges on and because she can convincingly play both i think as the story unfolds you're never sure how much of it is play acting on her part and how much of it she's experiencing at any given moment right and you realize at the end it's both the entire time she's yep. terrified but knows she has no other recourse and rises to the occasion of that yeah and it's interesting to have a script from 1946 where it is the woman who is protecting and saving her children and her husband there's a really nice structural transition at the top where this guy comes in and it's creepy that he keeps dropping these little hints of things he knows Mm -hmm. of like Oh, this is your last name. It was on the door. It's uh, not a reason I know that. And then I know the color of your daughter's hair and her name. And so that she's really off balance trying to guess how much he knows. And then she turns that structure against him ultimately of, I know things you don't know. I really like the concept of don't mess with Mama Bear. What struck me is that it is a story about a woman who, in a time of peril, rises to the challenge of that and discovers something about herself that she didn't know. And in that way, it's a real tribute to motherhood, <laughs> you know? And I love that the most about this. Yeah. And there's other things we'll get to that I do love about that, but that, to me, is the main theme of this. There's a lot of stories like this of two people at odds, this sort of cat and mouse back and forth, and the details of his arm being hurt and having to constantly accommodate what he does, and he has to keep her at a distance, making sure that she always knows he has a backup plan. It uses another great suspense technique, but in a way that I haven't seen it done before. It uses the ticking clock, time is running out, but gives each character a different one. Time is running out for her because... She hears him, and it's really creepy in that moment. Call Linda and say, where I am, bring the doctor, oh, and yeah. another got, guy. And you're got, like... She's got three and a half hours. Yeah, and so when those guys make it, she has no chance. She's right. going to be so outnumbered. Mm-hmm. But then he also has a ticking clock um, yeah. that she tells him all about. Like, it's going to be dawn. The milkman's going to be here. The also, neighbors are going to check in from And you're going to fall market. asleep. And you're going to yeah. fall asleep is yeah. his ticking clock. And yeah. I think that the husband in the back seat also is a ticking clock yeah. of sorts, how long before he wakes up? Yeah. Or how long before he dies? And it's a nice touch because she does see him in the back of the car and comments on how bloody his head is. We and, don't know yeah. if he's okay. I think they leave us, on purpose or not, with the sense that a happy ending. Yeah, walk it off, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, walk I got it off. one complaint. Yeah. Are you ready for my one complaint? The name of the show, Murder yeah, at Midnight. I'm with you. The whole time, I'm like, okay, they're coming at 6 a.m., 6 a.m.? How long is this going to go on? they got another 18 hours where someone gets killed? <laughs> the only thing I could come up with, Tim, is that... He showed up so, at midnight. Yes, exactly. I got that at the end, but... Yeah, because her husband wouldn't come home till midnight. Yes. He had a 60-mile commute. <laughs> I hope he had a lot of our podcasts to listen to, just like Scott. Just like Scott, that right? a lot yeah. better for him. Scott's like, been there, done that. <laughs> uh, I just I'm, wish somebody hit me in the head. <laughs> but I, I think you're pointing to the, the most traditional inner sanctum portion of this I'm script. I'm pointing is at to the my very own top. sort of stupid OCD-ness of like, trying to understand the title yeah. and context of the story, not just, oh, it's a story with a title and I enjoyed it. But that's very inner sanctum very bombastic. Murder comes at midnight. And even the opening 
like I said, has this melodrama of some premonition that she's feeling and yes. why she's afraid. And it has a little over-exposition at the top from uh, Mr. Host about how old they are and their occupations, which is interesting because only one of that bit of information turns out to be pertinent to the plot. So then I went back and went, oh, maybe they put all that other information in there to sort of hide the pertinent plot detail. You just went right into my next point on my list, and that was the interesting description of what they do for a living and their brief background, which for a while I was, this is unnecessary. (laughs) In 30 minutes, we discuss this all the time, like everything should, should have a point to it in a 30-minute story. And you don't really have the time to care or, or even need to know that she was used to be a retired school teacher and now she's writing the great American novel at home while her husband works. Uh, and for a while I was like, oh, why did we need to know he was a radio broadcast engineer? <laughs> and then that comes into play. But it does beg the question, you know, why do we need to know this about her other than then it occurred to me that we know that she is at home a lot by herself and Mm -hmm. is a scared person and her worst nightmare has come true. Yeah, I guess I didn't take that from the top. I thought the top was telling us this fear was strange and something she didn't experience before because she's at this Hmm. summer house and Mm -hmm. it's secluded and her husband is working late, which Mm -hmm. is different than what he usually does. I just took from it that she was very nervous about being alone. So mentioning her as a novelist is Interesting. either, as I said, to hide pertinent exposition <laughs> so like, it doesn't stand out. Why would you out. say his job instead yeah. of hers? But. Part of me wondered, was it a sexist thing? And say, like, well, she's a novelist, and that's why she was so quick-witted on her feet. But I think I'm, I'm looking at it from a that's modern a lot of point of view. But it's so <laughs> odd to choose novelist. Correct. Part of me thought the last lines of the story would be her sitting down at the typewriter and doing murder comes at midnight right. <laughs> she types and that she was going to turn this whole um, she should. event into a story so as i was listening i felt like i had a pretty good handle on what was going to happen and then it goes off to this little sidetrack with locking the kid in the room and setting up the yes. mattress where i thought maybe i don't know what's going on maybe everyone's gonna die yeah. maybe we slipped into hall of fantasy <laughs> and they're all gonna go up in the smoke I mean, I was following correctly what clues they were giving, what was going to going to happen, but that was a really interesting little, let's get dark. It mm-hmm. got really dark. Two things. First of all, we've discussed this many times before. When you're calm and evil, <laughs> yeah. it's much more terrifying. The only time he wasn't calm was when he realized Linda wasn't coming and he had his panic, right? And it's a yeah. great moment a great when he moment. lets his fear show to her. But his arm is broken he doesn't show the pain. He's very calm the whole time. And when we get to the point where he decides, here's how I'm going to one-up you. If this doesn't happen, I'm going up in flames. Your kid's going up in flames. I'm going to burn us all to death. Wow. That's a hell of a evil plan. And, and this is right after he pistol whips her. Well, there's that too. A few <laughs> times yeah, he, he hits her. It's, it's really harsh. Um, it's very harsh and very real. Like a, the the like, context like, of what makes that violence so visceral. There's nothing made up about this. This is a house break-in. Yeah. And I think it's because the power balance keeps shifting throughout the story. So every time it shifts out of Ethel's favor, you feel it more. Because you get excited, like, oh, she's got him. Oh, she lost again. And it, this tug of war right. really keeps you engaged. Quick question for both of you, though. Did you find it suspicious when she recapped the plot. No. I totally knew what was happening. You knew. You she did. did? Yeah. Okay. I did not catch it until it the milkman told us. Because <laughs> she specifically said this receives and transmits. That was like, oh, they have oh. a transmitting radio in their house. And so is, was wow. that what you predicted, is that the cops would just show up at the end? Yes. La-di-da, I'm Tim. I picked the... I but like not, I said, I that, when that mattress was set up against the door, I was like, I thought I knew, but maybe I don't. I didn't And I think the script that. does that very well. Even if you are suspicious of that at that moment, it takes you down roads you didn't expect, which makes you question your yeah. earlier assumptions. I missed the sending and receiving part, and then I got suspicious when she repeated the plot verbatim, but then I went, wait, this came right after the commercial break. And I convinced myself that this was like, hey, maybe if you tuned in late. That's exactly as an old radio person thought. Yeah. I said, oh, they're right. Oh. As they're a frequent hostage, radio. I just assume. <laughs> <laughs> you recap because someone's listening. Yeah. Also, 
she pulls this trick quite a ways after they introduce the radio. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not immediately after she says that either. Yeah. So I give the script all sorts of credit for being very clever and for manipulating the listener in like the best way possible, the way suspense should manipulate. Yeah. I'm really happy I didn't catch it because it made for a really fun experience for me yeah. to go, aha! Yeah, I totally forgot. By the time the milkman shows up and is really a cop, I had this moment of disappointment. Oh, it's some pro-social police save everybody thing. <laughs> and I was really hoping that she would win. So when they revealed that she did it, I just punched the air. I and I also like yes. in the ending, you know, without knowing exactly what happened, that she was just broadcasting hoping someone heard. But if she did, that wouldn't feel as satisfactory either. It's that she's really a mom, a novelist apparently, and <laughs> and she's just smart and she's trying a little bit of everything. She's able to overcome both of those challenges. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other thing. The script goes through like every scenario that you can think of as a listener that she should try. The script finds a way to have her do it. Bacon grease to the face. You made them eggs and bacon. Well, that was oh, a th- you're right. I did think maybe poison there, but then I thought mm-hmm. that's a little too contrived. Well, there was that moment in where she reached for something in the kitchen. Oh, that was the gun. I was, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They so say they didn't clarify what it was she reached for, but they did. I will say it has one classic inner sanctum moment, and that's right at the top where you hear gigantic crickets again. (laughs) Their guy on the cricket foley is out of control. Those are the same super huge loud crickets that we heard in uh, Till Death Do His Part and The Shadow of Death. It's like the third giant cricket episode. There's also an X minus one that had giant crickets. I can't remember which one that was. Uh, That was the giant crickets? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, what was the name of the movie? <laughs> Don't go in the barn. It's a cheers joke for everybody. <laughs> no extra charge. No extra Eric. charge. There's one person going, ah, I know that. Uh, I'll oh, the, the other oh, thing, thing I just thing. have to say, last one. Before you knew the milkman was a cop, he just tore up to that house. Like the sound effect goes, <laughs> break, screech, and they're like, milkman's here. <laughs> right? All the milk bottles shattered as he pulled out of the house. I'll start on the voting and say that it definitely stands the test of time. It's a great piece of writing. It's a great performance by both. And I love it so much because it wasn't a normal inner sanctum in the sense that I didn't have to roll my eyes and go, oh, that's inner sanctum-y. And so I loved it. Is it a classic? I'm going to say no because it's a little run-of-the-mill as far as the storyline. I know it'd be horrifying and horrible to have this happen to you, so I'm not saying it's a run-of-the-mill. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) But, and I did love the twist at the end. I'm going to stop just short of a classic, but I thought it was was a great story, really well-written, really well-performed, stands the test of time, and had a great ending. Yeah, I'm going to... Almost say the exact same thing. We we always, when we were talking about suspense episodes, each one of them sort of undercuts himself because suspense is so consistently good and suspense, at least the ones we've listened to. And this is so strangely not like other Inner Sanctum episodes. Right. And so, I mean, I, I really enjoy Inner Sanctum, but this is like, that's quite good. Right. <laughs> In a way that is vaguely insulting. To, <laughs> it's like, wow, that was good weird um, so uh, yeah I'll stop just short of classic because I shouldn't be just willy nilly calling things classics that's just rude um, but yes that I'm gonna agree with you guys too it's interesting because it's in the context of Inner Sanctum and it's usually such a different show and I almost have to go back and listen to it again to decide do I think as highly of it as I do because it defied my expectations and were those expectations just because of Inner Sanctum and I say that as someone who loves Inner Sanctum I love the classic we've got three twists at the end of this <laughs> and none of them make sense buckle up you know? I right. love that big over the top comic book style storytelling but this was so not that so it's weird to call that an Inner Sanctum classic so yeah I'm gonna sit on the fence scoot over guys <laughs> I'm with you there but definitely stands the test of time and particularly must underscore the really unique portrayal of a female character who is, I agree with you totally about the mother stuff, but 
what I like about it is it's not just a maternal instinct. This is a autonomous, intelligent human being who's defending her child, yes, yeah. but also her husband. Mm -hmm. And I get the feeling that if the milkman was really the milkman and he was in trouble, she would do the same thing for him <laughs> too. Like that's what I like about it. It's a great female protagonist. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, there's lots of ways that you can participate and or listen, and we have so much information to pass on. So, Tim, start telling them stuff. Get it started. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. There's also information about, there about our live shows because we got a lot of live shows coming up, and it uh, looks like we're going to have live shows ongoing for quite some time which is very exciting. It's also a great way to leave comments, send us a message, get a hold of us on social media links, let us know if you have episodes you'd like us to listen to, and we'll put it on the list and get to it as soon as we can. We have a long list, but we love listening to them. Yes, it's currently at 27 episodes that we <laughs> still have to get to. So hang in there. Also, you can go to iTunes and write a review. That helps the podcast. You can also go to patreon.com slash themorals and become a patron of the podcast, a member of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. That, of course, helps us a lot. And to change things up, I'm going to plug something new on this podcast. Tim spoke of social media. We also have a really fun Mysterious Old Radio Listening group on Facebook uh, with a lot of our really insightful smart listeners and there's just a lot of great discussion so if you yeah. would like to uh, join in that discussion please uh, join that group uh, we also often put polls on that to decide what episodes we might listen to and just ask general listener questions and so it would be great to hear from you all we also have a youtube channel please uh subscribe to it that way you'll get yeah. notices all the time yes <laughs> you could be our fourth subscriber if you hurry right now <laughs> one of them is me one of them is not joshua <laughs> But if you just click on the YouTube thing, it's nice. It pops up in your email says, hey, the next one is up on there. Also, please like us on Facebook, and that way you'll be notified of anything that might be coming up. And the last thing I want to throw out there is if you are not in the Twin Cities area and you are planning on coming, please let us know if you're coming to one of our shows. It would be awesome to meet you. Oh, yeah. All right. So coming up next. Next, we are going to be listening to one of my picks it's called Mission Completed from Suspense. Until then... Look out! And in my hands, the gun. Understand? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the milkman.